Hey everyone, welcome to Huron Chapel. We're so glad you could join us for today's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged with our church, check us out online at HuronChapel.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Word about Jesus was becoming more and more widespread. People were amazed at both of what he said and what he did. And everywhere Jesus went, there were these crowds who followed him, who gathered around him. And within these crowds, there was this growing sense of anticipation uh, for wonder and excitement. The, the people had come to know that around Jesus, things happened, miracles happened. They heard about the blind beggar at Jericho who, when he knew Jesus was close by, cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And his cries, they were a nuisance to those trying to listen to Jesus. Be quiet, Bartimaeus, they would cry out. We can't hear Jesus because you keep screaming for him. But Jesus was interested in this man who could not see. And he asked him to be brought over. And he said, I want to talk to you. How can I help you? Christ asked him. Anyone watching would have thought, well, it's kind of obvious. This is a, a blind man who wanted Jesus to restore his sight. And yet Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, I want to see and Jesus responded, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, we read. What is this faith that healed Bartimaeus? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And that day, Barnabas experienced the reality of what he had always hoped for and the evidence of things he literally cannot see. And the people in the crowd will never forget the transformation they saw take place in the man called Bartimaeus that day. They will never forget how his eyes lit up as he beheld his world for the first time. They'll never forget seeing how the expression of despair and sorrow was now replaced with the expression of joy on his face. The people watched as Bartimaeus gazed around in wonder at his new found sight. And so today the crowd is wondering, perhaps something like this would happen. Something that happened to Bartimaeus we would see today. Perhaps Christ would break the silence of deaf ears or restore the dead flesh of leprosy. Perhaps they'll see Jesus turning sorrow into joy. Just then a man came running towards Jesus. He threw himself at the feet of Christ and began crying. Obviously, this man is troubled about something. You know, they wondered, is this another beggar? Was this a, a diseased man wanting to be made whole? When the man looked up into the face of Jesus, they saw it was none of these, but instead it was Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Why was a man of such high position humble himself before Christ this way? What would the ruler of the synagogue, a position which usually was at odds with Jesus, why would he come pleading and begging to him? What would Jairus' friends say if they saw him now crying at the feet of Jesus? What if the Pharisees, the religious leaders of their synagogue, who did not like Jesus, see Jairus behaving this way before the feet of Christ? Jairus began to speak. Jesus, my little girl is at home dying. Oh, that's why. And I've heard about the miracles you've done. I've, I've seen men who are blind now see. I've, I've, seen, I've talked to people who can hear my words, who, who could not hear my words at one time, but you touch their ears and they can hear. 
Could you please come and put your hands on my little girl so she could be healed and not die? And Jairus, he was already a well-respected big man in the community, but through humbling himself, he became even greater. As Christ left and Jairus, the crowd followed eagerly, right? Ah, something is coming. There's a new crisis. We're going to see what happens. They tried to press as close as they could to Jesus because they did not want to miss anything. Church tradition says that her name was Veronica. And Veronica was among those in the crowd that day. And uh, she was one of those who came to see Jesus. She heard about the stories of Jesus and his miracles of healing. So she came this day hoping that she might experience that healing in her life that has plagued her, a problem that plagued her for 12 years, hemorrhaging. And she spent all her money, the scripture says, we heard this morning on doctors. Instead of getting better, she got worse. Christ was her final hope. But here he is now being whisked away to Jairus' house so his daughter could be healed. And Veronica would not have felt very highly of herself. Her, her bleeding caused her to be declared unclean by the religion of her day. It would cut her off from friends and family. And, you know, she thought, well, why should I bother with Jesus? I mean, here's a very important man, the ruler of the synagogue. You know, his daughter is sick. Who am I to stop and ask for healing in my life? Who am I to bother him now with my problem? You see, her problem wasn't the kind of thing you just blurted out in the midst of a crowd of people, just as Jairus had done. But she wanted to be healed so badly. She knew she, knew she had to make some sort of attempt. And as she followed she, the crowd, Veronica debated herself, what should I do? I must do something. This is the moment. This is the chance. Should I just go up and ask him for help? Maybe I should just go and, and blur it out like everybody else does. Does. But there's so many people around. Why are there all these, all these people? All they're here is just curious onlookers, wanting to be amazed and, and be curious about what's going to happen around, around them when Jesus is there. I really need, need his help. And then she thought, maybe I can do this discreetly. If I just would get close enough to touch Jesus, no, if I could just get close enough to touch his garment... I believe I would be healed. That way I don't have to bother Jesus. That way I don't have to make a public declaration amongst all these people. And so with this idea in mind, Veronica began to make her way through the crowd. And she pushed herself closer and closer to the center where Jesus was walking, through the hordes of people. And she, when she was close enough, just close enough, she reached out and touched one of the tassels on Jesus' garment. And suddenly, her bleeding stopped. And then Jesus stopped. And when Jesus stopped, the crowd stopped. What could be the matter, they wondered. Why, why did Jesus suddenly stop? But Jesus sensed this healing power going out of him. And he looked around the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples, always quick to give an answer, said, Well, Lord, there's so many people pressing in on you. Who do you mean who touched your clothes? But they're trying to answer a question they don't understand. Trying to give an answer to a question they don't understand. But Veronica knew what Jesus meant. She knew it was her whom Jesus was seeking among the people. So she came forward, fell at his feet, explaining her whole story and what she had done. 
With tears running down her cheeks, she confessed both her lack of self-esteem, her embarrassment of coming forward and asking for healing. And the people hearing this story suddenly began repeating to one another, all she did was touch the tassel on Jesus' garment and she was healed. What kind of power does this Jesus have that can do this? But Jesus said, no, no, I want you all to understand the power is not in the tassel. That's not what caused her to make well, made her well. So Jesus made clarify what it was. She, she, he said to Veronica, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And if you were to come tonight and you say, I, Pastor, I just love, I just want to ask a healing from my Lord. I will ask you, do you believe that he can make you well? Because faith is so important. Faith in Jesus, not in the ritual, not in a person, not in some thing, but in Jesus Christ, the Lord. The time for rejoicing over Veronica had suddenly come to an abrupt end because we heard this morning a message had come from Jairus' home saying his daughter had died. And Jesus, uh, you know, he'd made the blind see, he made the deaf hear, he helped heal the flesh of the leopard, but this is different, this is death. And Jairus would have buried his head in his hands, hearing the news of his daughter's death. He would have been so overcome by grief. Hope was now replaced with despair. Anticipation of a miracle was now replaced with sorrow. And the messenger said to Jairus, Your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher, being Jesus. No use troubling Jesus anymore. And Jairus thought he would dismiss Christ, thank him for coming this far on the journey. But Jesus looked at Jairus and said this. We heard him say this today. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. There are times when it seems when we don't everything seems hopeless, and we have hopelessness, we become afraid. Fear overcomes us. But at this point in the story, we're going to hear two different opposing points of view of the reality of the situation. One is the point of view of Jairus' friends, as they ponder and summarize the situation. And then we're going to hear what Jesus has to say. So first, the friends of Jairus, this is how they looked at the situation and said to him, there's no use troubling Jesus now. They gave up. There's no use. After all, when someone is dead, they're dead. Time to leave. Time to walk away. But Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. I know you're tempted to. I know you want to. But just have faith. See, one is the voice of doubt. The other is this voice of hope. One voice sounds like the voice of reason, while the other voice challenges us to have faith for a reality we cannot see, or maybe even fully understand. And now what Jesus does next in the story, I love this part. This is my favorite part of the story, is because Jesus begins to do something not once but twice in the remaining part of the story. He begins a filtering process. I wonder if you noticed it when Andrew read this. He begins this separating those who believe from those who do not believe. He begins to separate people with disbelief, with those who have faith, and removes those who doubt and takes with him the rest of the way on the journey, only those who have believed that healing is possible, even in death, healing is possible. We read this. This is what we read. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. So Jesus begins dismissing these onlookers, the tire kickers, and for the rest of the journey to Jairus' house, he only has the three disciples and the parents, and then Jairus, the, the, the father of this young girl, permitted to come with him. 
And when they come to the house, we read how they came upon another crowd. Remember that? A crowd of mourners wailing and upset because of the death of this young girl. And the Bible says when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion, much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and said, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. You remember the response of the people, the crowd. The crowd laughed at him. Once again, Jesus now the second time begins this filtering process of those who believe and those who do not believe. The crowd at the, crowd at the house who laughed at him, this is what we read. But he made them all leave and took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples in the room where the girl was lying. Once again, Jesus filters out the chaff of disbelief from the mustard seed of faith. And puts all the mourners out of the house. He takes only with him the parents hoping and believing that Jesus will, will work. And his three closest disciples. And then we read this part. Holding her hand, Jesus says to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. Do you love this part? They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. You see, Veronica was healed of her problem. Why? Jesus said because she had faith. The kind of faith that caused her to press through a crowd and touch the garment of Jesus. Faith was key to her victory. Jairus came to Jesus in faith. He knew Jesus could heal her. Even when the word came that she was dead, he still believed. He did not believe the words of his friend saying, don't bother Jesus anymore. He must have been tempted to do that. He didn't, he didn't laugh with a scoffer saying, no, well, she's dead. Come on, she's not going to live. But Jairus shows, no, I will have faith, put safe in my Jesus. And what his words to say, do not be afraid, just have faith. Because it is the key in miracles. Do you remember the, the story when Jesus goes back to Nazareth, his hometown where he grew up? And he did some teaching, and the Bible says they're amazed at what he said. But then it says, something, it says this, there are these scoffers. So we know who this is. This is the carpenter's son. We know his brothers and sisters. What can he do? Like, he's nothing. They didn't believe, they didn't have faith. And this is what we read in Matthew 13, 58. So Jesus, he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. It doesn't say he wouldn't do, he couldn't do because of their lack of faith. That's how important faith is. So Jesus takes with him into this room where Jairus' daughter was lying down. Only those who had faith in Christ. He only brought with, the, with those with him who kept believing and hoping. He got rid of the crowds, got rid of the scoffers, got rid of the mourners, even the bulk of his own disciples because faith would be the key to victory. So all of this leads to this point where I want to ask you a question. I ask it of myself. I'm going to ask it of you. <clears throat> If Jesus were to come this morning or tonight, wanting to do a miracle among us, who would he have to ask to leave and who would he bring with him? Who are the interesting onlookers among us in the crowd? And who's pushing their way through that crowd to faith in Jesus? Who are the ones that think, oh, we shouldn't trouble Jesus anymore? And who are the ones that say, no, I'm not going to be afraid. I want to be afraid. I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to have faith in Jesus.
Who are the ones who scoff at the idea Jesus doesn't perform miracles anymore? And who will be in the room when he raises the dead? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And it's in times of trial, times of sickness, even in death, the reality is God is with us and will carry us through. I know um, I would confess this to you, and I think some of you can relate to this. I know in the past, I, and as a younger Christian, I would struggle with my faith in regards to God's healing. I know He could heal. I didn't doubt that. It was just that I wasn't sure if He wanted to. What if I pray and healing, you know, for healing and nothing happens? How do I rationalize that? How do I justify that? So I would do what many of us would do, and I would qualify my request for healing. Whenever I pray for healing, I would say this, Lord, if you are willing, takes me off the hook. Takes him off the hook. So it didn't happen because God did not will this. He did not want this. If you are willing, bring healing. Because we're never quite sure if Christ wants to heal for whatever reason. But I want us to leave this morning and come again tonight knowing this. Jesus wants to and is willing to heal. And He will always heal. I want to explain how this looks at my, in my life. And you can maybe connect this with your life. I'm told that when my parents were married in 1961, my mom was told she could not have children. Yet God touched her. And a year later, I was born. But she got sick again. While she was giving birth to me, she had a stroke or a paralyzed one, one side of her body. But God touched her. And she was restored. But she got sick again. In 1972, 10 years after, I was about 10 years old, my mother was going to a church board meeting, and while crossing the street, a car hit her and threw her 60 feet. And her life was hanging in a thread. And she was in hospital, unable to work. And God healed her. But she would become sick again. Just a few months after coming here to here in chapel, my mother was rushed to hospital in Southampton. She was dying. The doctor told me, I still remember sitting in the ER room, I said, what are the chances? And he said, there's a 99% chance that your mom will die today. So I wanted to know. 99% chance. So I talked to my mom, told her she was going to see Jesus. But I prayed. I prayed, and she was healed. But she would become sick again. On July 20th, 2016, she caught some virus at her nursing home. Glenn and I rushed to her room in the middle of the night to be with her. She knew we were there. I kept helping to bang her back. And I still remember lifting her up and banging her back because she would be choking and fluid filling her lungs. I remember the last thing she said was she loved me. And then dawn of that morning, she was healed. To never be sick again. People here, they call it death. And she did die, but she died to this world and woke to heaven. She died to her body, but woke without dementia, without pain, without tears, because Jesus healed her. And I want you to understand this. Every person Jesus healed in the Bible got sick again. At some point in their life, they died. Lazarus was healed, was raised from the dead. It's amazing. It brought glory to God. Yet there was a day that came when he died. 
This little girl, 12-year-old girl, was raised from the dead. It was amazing, and glory brought to God. And that's the purpose, and that's always the, you know, the purpose that points to Him and who He is. But I tell you, there was a day in her life where she died, and Jesus healed her. The greatest response to our faith in Jesus is we trust Him to come and heal us in life and in death. Jesus says these words. We read these words at funerals, but it's so important because He says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled because that's what, we, that's what happens. Something happens when our hearts trouble. The hope this world fades. And Jesus says, trust. Trust in God. And trust also in me. That's faith. There are more than enough rooms in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? I just love that line. When everything is ready, when the time has come, and my timing is always perfect. You may not always know my timing, but my timing is perfect. When everything is ready, he says, I will come and get you so that you may be where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. I love that I am not in no control of this. I can't find out a map and say, where's heaven? I am just going to take my last breath and Jesus is going to be there, so I'm taking you now. That's faith. That's healing. The Bible says this to us, but He, Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And I want you to know, you will be healed. Sometimes it's instantly like Bartimaeus or this, this girl. Sometimes it's like the ten lepers we read a few weeks ago or the other blind man who Jesus said, no, first I want you to do this. I want you to demonstrate faith in me and obedience. I want you to do this task. And then they're healed. One day it will be in death if you trust him and follow him. You will be healed. The Bible says there will be no more tears, no more pain. You're going to be healed. And I guarantee you, it's hard for me to admit this, and I, but I, I know it's true that there's no one in heaven that wants to come back. I kind of want to think, no, I selfishly would like my mom to come back. But I know that she is, she, she's healed. Why would I? I want you to know Jesus is willing. I want you to know that because we mean everything to him. We, he loves us so much. And so we should never be one of those people who question Jesus is willing to heal if it's your will. I mean, look what he did on the cross. He, he wants. He's willing. We read this story in the Bible. I love this story. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down from the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, he did what we do. If you are willing, if you are willing, can you heal me, make me clean? Jesus reached out and touched him. And listen to these words, friends. I am willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Can you just hear those words in your life today? Jesus saying to you, I am willing. So I know you struggle like, well, I don't, who am I? I'm like Veronica, I'm not, should, I mean, I'm, you know, why would he? No, no, he, he wants to. He's willing to. When we trust in Jesus, we know we'll be healed. I mean, I always comprehend the timing of it. Sometimes instantly, sometimes I have to demonstrate faith, sometimes it will become in death. But I know this, I'll always get sick again here. But when I place my faith in Christ, who was crushed for my sins, I'll be healed.
victorious over the greatest illness called death, to never be sick again. What I've been hearing from God these days is this this simple word. This is, this is, this is the, the whole premise of why He wants us to have this time of healing tonight. He said, you do not have because you ask, you ask not God. You do not have because you do not ask God. I think the King James Version does say, you ask not because, or you have not because you ask not. Maybe it's pride. I don't want to ask God for healing. I'm like Veronica, I don't want to have to come in front of people and say, God, heal me. Maybe it's because of lack of self-esteem. Like, oh, who, why would God want to do that? I, maybe other people can be healed, but not me. Maybe you're afraid. And you'd hear the words of Jesus, do not be afraid, just have faith. Never put a question mark where Jesus has put a period. I'm willing. I am willing. I have not because, we have not because we ask not. What if you don't have today because you don't ask? Or you won't ask? Father, thank you for the words again of your scripture, which I know we need this. We, I love seeing how you work and how you are working and how you work amongst us. I pray tonight in our prayer summit for just a great time of the, the power of your presence here. I just pray, God, we just want to be obedient to you. When you say come for healing, we want to pray for healing, God. We believe in healing. We know you're willing and want to, God. And we're just going to respond out of obedience tonight, Lord. So I pray for this evening. I pray for us here today. I thank you, God, again for the word and for your truth and for your holiness and your purity. And that you, God, loves us so much that you went to the cross. And, and we're willing to take all that so that I can have all that you have. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open doorway for you to enter into our community. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. Please remember to visit HuronChapel.com for more information about our church.